All right, we have a, a big, busy day ahead of us today, so I'm going to, uh, well, I'm not even going to say I'm going to be brief, because then I won't be brief and y'all all be mad at me, so we'll just avoid that conundrum. That'll work. <laughs> won't be the first time. So, uh, you know, as everybody knows, we had to, to change our plans in terms of our Christmas party. It's going to be this evening instead of Wednesday. Um, thank God we were spared during the tornado. Funny story about the tornado. We had a couple of guys here working on the eaves. I don't know if you've noticed, but we had some eave work done. They knew the storm was here, but they had no clue that there was a tornado, and they were out here working when the tornado passed right there. So <laughs> those boys need a weather app. Um, I know them. I know one of them well. The guy that's heading up the crew used to be one of our students, um, and so anyway, we had a good laugh about that. But thankfully, they're okay. Uh, our brothers and sisters down the street, not so much, uh, and so we're going to be joining them and praying that that God's going to help them recover very quickly. Um, so last week, what is my holding you? I got to close this app. It's doing something crazy. Bear with me a moment. Last week we looked at uh, Luke chapter two, and we discussed some things that are you know typically discussed. You know, we're here in the Christmas season. And so we're talking about Christmas stuff, right? That's kind of how this works. I don't care about an update. Hold on. Technology. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. If it doesn't work, maybe we'll get out early today. Who knows? We'll see what happens. No, don't amen that. <laughs> so as I was saying, last week we looked at Luke chapter 2. So we looked at specifically in Luke chapter 2 last week about how God chose to use Mary and Joseph and the shepherds. Some, some people that by their cultural standards... Um, were not, would not have been the ones probably that would have been chosen to, to do this mighty work that God was doing in the, in the bringing of his son to the world. God's trying to help us see that he chooses the people that he calls for very specific reasons, and it's not based on our own natural abilities and talents. That that's not the reason that we are called to do a work. God calls those who are willing to say yes. God calls those that are willing to say yes, those are the ones that he calls. And that as we step out in faith, that God's going to provide the things that we need when we need them so that we can accomplish the work that he's given us. In the Christmas narrative, we see that God uses these unlikely players. And it, and it begs us to ask the question, why did God choose those people to reveal himself to the world? Why did he choose Mary and Joseph? Why did he choose the shepherds? And we often look at our own selves and we make the assumption because of our perspective that God's not going to call us to do certain things because we're not gifted in those areas or we're not ready to do what he's called us. We base that belief on how our world works, right? Like in the business world, the people who get the promotions are the people who are the best at what they do, right? Those are the people that get the raises, ideally. Those are the people that get the promotions. And so our minds just kind of work that way, but that's not the way in which God works. That's true of of the world and it's also true that you know scripture is very clear about those that do well with what God's given him he gives even more that is still true but God doesn't call us based on what we bring to the table God calls us based on simply our willingness and what he sees that we are able to accomplish through his power not through our own so God doesn't choose us based on our past performance or qualifications a lot of times we look at our our life we look at our history and say well I've done all these things that are not good in my life and so obviously God could not use me to do this thing that he's he's calling me to that can't make sense but God doesn't see us that way and we see this happening in Mary and Joseph and the shepherds we know that that Mary and Joseph both are known uh, unknown young people the shepherds were low on the totem pole in terms of society but God chose to trust them because he knew that they would say yes and he also knew that they couldn't take credit for what he was doing. God trusted them. 
And then he trusted them to follow through with the task he had given them. Okay, so it's because of their devotion to, to who God was that they were chosen, not because of what they brought to the table. Okay, and it's also our devotion, right? It's our willingness to say yes to God's call that God has chosen us as a body to be a people who spreads the gospel. We discussed that neither Mary or Joseph was ready to, to either have a baby or to take care of a baby in, in a world where immediately upon his the hearing of his birth that the king was going to send people to try to kill him, right? Nobody's ever prepared for that, much less them, okay? Today we're going to look at Matthew chapter 2, and we're going to look at the story of the wise men. And, and I know that typically you don't look at that until after Christmas, but as I've been thinking and praying this week about where the Lord would have us, this is where he settled my heart. So today we're going to read this together, and I'll, I want to show you what God's been revealing to me this week, and then I'd like us to make some application. So if you would, open up your Bible, or you can read on the screen or open an app. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 2, and we're going to read verses 1 through 12. It says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Then Herod the king, when the, Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by the other way. I meant to put a meme in here today, and I forgot. Bethany showed it to me this week. I don't know if y'all have seen it, but it's the three wise men, and they said, look, we brought frankincense, gold, but wait, there's myrrh. If you haven't seen that, you can go check it out. Yeah, it's a great dad joke. All right, so this week... This week, I'm reading this passage, and I'm asking myself some questions about, about it. Like, I, I don't know about you guys, but for me, particularly a passage that I've heard a lot, when I come to it, when the Lord brings me to that, I want to just take some time, and I want to read it, and I want to put myself in it, I want to think about what's going on here. And I ask the Lord, reveal to me something that I haven't seen before. Because I don't know about you, but like every children's musical I was ever in, there were three wise men, and they bring gifts, and the application in my life was always... We bring our best to the Lord, right? We bring all that we have and put it at his feet. And that's a good thing. But I'm asking God, what else is here? Okay? And, and remember, I've grown up in church. I've heard this passage preached a lot of times. You probably have too. But what stood out to me this week and what I found the most interesting and what I felt like the Lord was pushing me to is that these wise men are the ones that see the star and they're the ones that are searching for the king, but they are not God's people. They're not Jewish. Here's what we can infer from this passage if we look at it. We can see they're not Jewish. They had heard some of the prophecies, but they'd not heard all of them. They're watching for the sign that the prophecy had been fulfilled, 
And then they went searching for what they believed to be the sign of the Messiah. These are not God's people. But they'd heard tale of the good news and they are looking for it. Now you and I have spent the last year studying Exodus and we've talked at length about the fact that Israel has been waiting, hoping, and praying for the fulfillment of God's promise that one day he would send someone that could restore the relationship with God. And thousands of years have passed, and that Messiah had still not come. But Israel, the Jews, had, it seems as if they had lost hope. They weren't searching. So point number one I want to make today is that God's people missed him. Jesus shows up, and they missed it. People had been waiting for thousands of years. The people that had certain men set aside whose sole responsibility was to commune with God on the people's behalf. Israel had that. There was a whole tribe whose only job was to commune with God and to communicate to God for the people, right? It was their job to hear from God and communicate to the people. And they missed it. Even though they knew all the details of his coming, they did not know that Jesus had arrived. Listen, most of us in this room have spent years trying to purge dead religion out of our lives. And I want to be clear that when I talk about dead religion, I'm not talking bad about anybody else. Y'all know that, but I want it to be heard aloud again. All of us were willing participants in dead religion. This church was planted as a result of a desire of some people to move beyond dead religion, to encounter God for who He is, to hear His voice. And finally, God got the word through to us that there was more to what it meant to be in relationship with God than just a bunch of dead traditions. And that's why we founded this church. God revealed Himself to us. He taught us to hear His voice. He taught us to abide in Him. And we were really excited and we were growing in that relationship. But at some point, I believe that some of us have stopped growing and become complacent with where we are. Now listen, I know that this is not a traditional Christmas message, right? Most Christmas messages, you get done and you feel all warm and fuzzy and you want to go drink some cocoa and go home and hang out with family. But that's not what the Lord has for us today. I've, I've been praying about this and thinking about this all week. In our passage today, we see the scribes and the priests whose job it is to be in communication with God. And if God was speaking, these are the men that he would be speaking to. And I believe that he was. I just think they weren't listening. They missed God. They knew the prophecies. We know that they knew the prophecies because when King Herod says, where is the Messiah to be born? They go, oh, Bethlehem in Judea. We, we know that. They had all the information. The stars in the sky but rather than seeing it and understanding, they had to be informed by these outsiders that the Messiah had arrived. And how tragic is that? The thing that they had longed for for so long was there, and they didn't even know. Here they are at the, most, the single most important moment in all of history, and they missed it. Listen, here's my fear. I'm afraid that in our complacency, we have become like the scribes and the priests. We have all of the information, yet we are missing God. We've been in this location for five years. We know how to hear from God. We know what it means to abide. We've walked in that. And listen, this place, this building should be busting at the seams with people. 
right? And I'm not saying that because I want to see this place. It's not about the numbers. You guys know that. But if we're walking, if we're abiding daily, and that is coming out of us, people are going to be drawn to us. We should have to be starting new life groups on a regular basis. We are at a point where I believe we should have been starting another TGP because this building was too small. That's why we planted our second church in the first place. We outgrew a building because we were growing. We were excited about what the Lord was doing. All that growth I'm talking about, it's not the result of a church growth plan. We didn't sit down as a staff one day and say, we need to get more people in this building. How are we going to do it? We were just daily pursuing the Lord. And the overflow that was happening in our life was, was bringing people in. Look with me at John chapter 4, verses 14 through 15. It says, but whoever, this is when Jesus is talking to the woman at the well. And he says, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up into eternal life. And the woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus is describing exactly what happens when we come to know him. He becomes like a spring welling up inside of us. Look, I know that we, you might think of a bouncy spring when he's talking about a spring. I don't know if you've ever seen a natural spring but just water just comes up out of the ground on its own. You don't have to go and get a bucket and, and dip it out of, the, out of a deep hole. It's coming up. And that's the imagery. That as we are walking with the Lord, it is just oozing out of us. And people can't help but see it and feel it. We have studied the book of Acts. We know what it looks like when people are engaged in the Holy Spirit. We spent a whole year on that. We have seen what happens when people devote themselves to the teaching of the Word and of loving one another as Christ loved us. It is contagious. Look with me at the first chapter of John. And this is not considered a, a Christmas passage probably by most, but it is. Look at John 1. Let's read verses 1 through 5, and then we're going to skip down to verse 9. It says, In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was God, and the, the, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. And then jumping down to verse 9, it says, The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own people, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Listen, John is, is sharing the same facts that Matthew does about what it means when Jesus comes. He came into the world to His people and they didn't know Him. They missed Him. But some did see it. It says in that passage, To all who did receive Him, who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will, nor of the flesh but of God. John is saying the same thing that we've been saying for years. It's not up to us to complete some great work. It's up to God. John is very clearly saying that some missed him, but others did not. And so my question for you, my question for me is, which are we going to be? 
Will we be those who miss God? Or will we be those who become the children of God? John is reminding us that it's not due to anything that the people did. It was God. It's always God who does the work. He offers the light to all, but not all are willing to receive it. This morning I was reading in Utmost, and it says this. I've got the quote up on the screen. It says, when God begins to draw me to himself, the problem of my will comes in immediately. Will I react to the truth that God has revealed? Will I come to him? When God speaks, never discuss it with anyone as if to decide that your response, to decide what your response may be. And he references Galatians 1, uh, chapter 1, verses 15 and 16. And belief is not the result of an intellectual act, but the result of an act of my deliberate will, whereby I deliberately commit myself. Listen, we can either will to follow God, or we can will not to, but there is no in-between. You can choose to follow or you can choose to not. There is no other option. Let's jump back to Matthew. Let's see what happens in the rest of our story. Let's see what happens when we choose not to follow God. This is verses 13 through 15 in Matthew 2. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Out of Egypt I called my son. Point number two I want to make today is that God's people hated him. The thing, the person that they longed for so long when he arrived, they hated him. God's people, they tried to have him killed. How crazy is that? I don't know about you, when I, when I was a kid, like that didn't, it just didn't have a lot of merit in my life. I didn't really understand it. I didn't think about it. But as I'm reading this this week, I'm going, wait, what? I mean, I understand Herod feels threatened by this new king of the Jews. But to have him killed? After all the years of waiting and longing and ask God to send them a Savior, their response is to try and have him killed. So let me ask you a question. This is rhetorical, don't answer it out loud. It's not rhetorical, but I want you to think about it. What is the difference in seeking to kill God versus killing his activity? What is the difference in seeking to kill God versus killing his activity? The book of John starts with the statement, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Track with me on this, okay? God's the Word, and when God speaks, things happen. His Word is his activity. They are synonymous. And when he speaks a word into your life and you ignore it, when you act as if it doesn't exist or you purposely forget it, what are you doing? You are killing God's activity. You see, we separate ourselves from people like Herod and go, well, I would never do that. But when God gives you a directive for your life and you ignore it, you are killing his activity. God does not speak frivolously. If he speaks to you, it is for a very specific purpose, and that purpose is to reveal himself to you and to those in your proximity. And we've talked about so many times before, when I don't obey God, it doesn't just affect me. It affects everyone around me. Look at Matthew chapter 2, verses 16 through 18. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious And he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old and under. 
according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and loud lamentation. Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. We see in these verses that Herod orders the massacre of all of the male children in Bethlehem and the surrounding region. Listen, we've said this so many times, but I feel like we just don't get it. When we don't respond to God's call, we are responding not just for ourselves, but for those around us. Our response can make the difference between life and death, joy and sorrow for the people in our lives. How we respond to the Lord matters. And to complete the thought that I made earlier about my fear, my fear is that we are purposefully ignoring God about some things, and in doing so, we are creating our own flavor of dead religion. The thing that we work so hard to get out of. And the result of that's going to be we're going to raise up a new generation who's trapped in deadness just like we were. It's just going to be a little bit different. We are condemning them to a life of dead religion that we have tried so hard to escape from. And I don't want that for my people. I don't want that for you and I don't want it for our children. I had enough of dead religion. I don't want to walk through another day of my life where I'm just going through the motions because it's miserable. But when I encounter the Lord in His Word, it's incredible. And I want people to see that. The last point I want, to point I want to do today is that God's people pass down death. At the very end of this passage, we see that years have passed by, Herod dies, but the hatred that he felt towards Jesus did not. He passed that to his son. Look in verses 19 through 23 of chapter 2 in Matthew. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel for those who sought the child's life were dead. And he rose and took the child and his mother and he went to the land of Israel. But when he had heard that um, Archelaus was reigning over Judea in the place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went and lived in a city called Nazareth, so that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled, that he would be called a Nazarene. Herod's son was a product of his upbringing. The hatred that lived in his father was passed to him. All of us are a product of our upbringing. Okay? Hear me on that. All of us are a product of our upbringing. This is true in both our physical and our spiritual lives. If you don't believe me, wait till the next time your kid steps on your last nerve and listen to how you fuss at them and don't tell me it don't sound just like your mom or your dad. If that hasn't happened, it will. Something will come out of your mouth and you'll be like, oh God. Oh, man. The same is true about our spiritual lives. We often look at where we are today and we compare it to where we used to be in the past. And the hope is always that it's better. But the things that we grow up around, they affect us forever. Can we change? Yes, absolutely, but not on our own. Look, there are things about my parenting that I want to be very different from the way I was parented. Right? I think that's the goal of all young parents is to say, hey, here's some things that my parents did really well and here's some things they didn't do well and I want to be better at it. Right? But it's the work of the Holy Spirit that's able to make those changes in our lives. I can't just be a better dad because I decide to. The only way I become a better dad is by pursuing the Lord and letting Him change 
who I am. It's not about patterns and habits. It's about what's going on in my heart. Because that's what comes out. But God's going to prompt the change. But we have to have the will to allow those changes to happen. We have to want to grow. If we're not wanting to grow, it's not going to happen. I was telling somebody last night that if we're not growing, we're dying. Think about that. You think about anything in the natural world. If it's not growing, if it's not in the process of growth, it is in the process of death. And I don't want to be in the process of death anytime soon. Either physical or spiritual, right? The moment that anything stops growing, it starts dying unless something changes. And that death process is going to continue until it completes. Listen, we've, we've spent the last five years learning what it means to be the church, right? When we first moved over here, we, we were, well, some of you were there, some of you were not. We spent a year talking about what it means to be a TGP church and how we're going to spread the gospel. And then we did a whole year at one point of walking through the Gospels with the sole purpose of discovering who Jesus is through his interactions with people. We spent a year on what it means to live in community. We spent a year on what it means to multiply that community. We spent a year on joining God to set people free. And what I ask myself all the time is, how long are we going to hear these same messages and still not respond? Listen, my frustration is not with any individual. It's with us. I'm in that with you. God's call for our church is to know Him and to make Him be known. And I'm convinced that the reason we're not making Him known is because we still don't know Him. Listen, we have been given more training on how to do this than most people will ever receive in their entire lives. The last five years have been an intensive in what it means to be the church and what it means to be God's people. If anybody could receive it, it's us. Look, I can't speak for you, but I will never be satisfied with just doing church. I've been there, and I don't want any more of that. What I want is to do life with people who are pursuing the Lord together. Life is too short to do anything else. And God is the only thing that matters. This is why we were created. We were created to be in relationship with God. Look, this is why we celebrate Christmas, right? That's the point of all of this, is for us to remind ourselves and one another that something bigger than us, something better than what the world has to offer, has happened for us. Christ came. He humbled Himself and came as a baby. God has called us to be a community of people that sets others free. And we need to take that call very seriously. Not for my sake. Listen, this is not one of those preachers mad at us, we better act right kind of things. This is me as your brother saying, please, let's do life together the way God's called us to do it. Look, I'm not sure what next year is going to hold for us in terms of what we're going to talk about. I was talking with Glenn about that this morning. I'm in the process of praying about that. But whatever it is, I'm excited about it because I get to do it with you. We are good at loving one another, right? We do community very well. But we need to continue to grow in that and not just become stagnated and complacent with what we have. Because God has more for us. 
my hope and my prayer for our church is that we would give very serious contemplation to the gift that we have been given. Christmas is a time to celebrate the beginning of the good news for our people. And as we celebrate Christmas this year, I want us to be thinking about the call that God has for us as a body, but also as individuals. And share that with one another. Share your struggles. Talk about what makes that commitment hard. And let's do this together. Right? Things are always easier when there's a lot of people involved. I came home from work last week and the floor was completely taken out of my house. You know why? I have an awesome wife and five kids that know how to work. And it was done. Just like that. Listen, work is always easier when we do do it together. And when we can share with one another what God is doing in our lives, both whether it's, it's a really good thing or a really difficult thing, when we share those things together, it always makes it easier. And I think a lot of times we are afraid that we're going to get called out to do something on our own, but we're not created to operate as an island, but as a people of God. Christmas needs to be about celebrating this community that God's given us and the fact that He sent His Son. As we spend time with friends and family this week, let's give some serious thought to our call as, as believers individually, but also as a church. Let's ask God to reveal the way that He's working in the lives of the people around us. When you're gathered with family, be intentional about that time. And ask God what He's doing in those people's lives. And God, how can I, what role do you have for me to play in that process? Is it to have a conversation? Is it just to give a hug? Do I need to bring a meal? Whatever it is, ask God. And then do what he says, and then watch and see what happens as a result of that. Ask God how to be involved in the work that he's called you to. Listen, we have a, a great opportunity tonight to love this community. And I know everybody's plans are all messed up because it tornado and schedules. I get it. Like some of the people that we're supposed to baptize tonight are out of town. And that's okay. What this event is about tonight, it's just about loving one another and loving this community. And there is a buttload of gingerbread houses back there. Someone needs to come deal with that, okay? I'm not taking all this home. Listen, I love this church so much, okay? And I want you to hear my heart on this today. This is not about me going, y'all ain't doing good enough. This is about us just being honest with one another and being vulnerable and saying, hey, listen, God's called us to do some things and we need to do them, right? We, we we not you we let's pray together God I thank you for the challenges that you've given me this week to challenge me in my own in my own walk and to to look at my life and say where am I not being obedient God I thank you for challenging me to grow and to not just be complacent with where I am Father, I know that you have an incredible love for us and for the people that are around us and that you have called us to share that love. And so, God, I ask that you would to just right now, God, just remove any guilt that exists in this room. Father, help us to understand that you love us and that this message that you have for us today is not about trying to shame or guilt us into any kind of action, but it is a, your, your most loving way to say, I have something better for you. Don't settle for something that's less. God, help us to see that. Help us to see you as we celebrate Christmas. Give us a new <laughs> revelation. Give us a new understanding of the depth of love that you have for us. Your people. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Let's stand and worship together this morning.